Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I'm the host of this program. Easter is only a day away. If all of our listeners spent this past week meditating on Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection and thankfulness, Easter. This is a very special day, especially for us Christians who believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Although this day should be called the Resurrection Day, strangely, people just call it Easter. The majority of calendars also classify this day as Easter, and in fact, it is very hard to find calendars that mark this day as a resurrection day. As Easter awaits us, many people inside and outside of the church celebrate this day with colorful eggs, bunnies, and candy. Not many people wonder what the egg and rabbit signify in honor of Easter. The Easter bunny and colorful eggs seem to have no relevance with Jesus' resurrection. However, so many people use this to celebrate this day. Isn't this strange? We'll come back to share more after our first song. Sea of me. 
Christmas have become a religious day in which people all over the world celebrate. Colorful eggs have become just as famous as the day of Easter. However, even within Christians, there are not that many people who question why colorful eggs and Easter go together. Although here at Heart and Soul Broadcast Ministries, we have broadcasted numerous times the true meaning and significance of Easter. For the people who still may not know, and for the people who do know, I think it would be beneficial to listen again for clarification and confirmation. Easter and Eggs Well first, to find out the relationship between Easter and eggs, we can seek the answer in the name of this day, Easter. Currently, the whole world, including Catholics and Christians, both call this day Easter, which really holds the meaning of Resurrection Day. This term Easter has its origin from a goddess of the ancient times in Babylon named Easter. No one really knows the accurate theory behind this, but there are about three to four big theories people claim about Easter and the eggs. This is why we cannot claim that one is true over the other, but we will be able to find out that these certain theories do exist. According to theologians, the person who built ancient Babylon was Nimrod, 
who appears in Genesis chapter 10. Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah and is described as the first of the mighty men to appear on the earth. They say that his wife was Queen Semiramis and was actually a spy sent to Canaan. And because of this reason, some archaeologists argue that Queen Semiramis was fully devoted to King Nimrod because she had the responsibility to spy and watch after him. Nimrod became a godman to the people and Semiramis, and upon his death, in order to keep her powers, she argued that she was the daughter of a god. She claimed that Nimrod had ascended to the sun and was now to be called Baal, the sun god. She created a mysterious religion and with the help of Satan set herself up as a goddess. She also claimed that her son named Tammuz was conceived of her and Nimrod and was believed to be the son of the sun god Baal and became sacred in the ancient religion. When Samaramis became pregnant, she claimed that she was immaculately conceived. She taught that the moon was a goddess that went through a 28-day cycle and ovulated when full. She further claimed that she came down from the moon in a giant moon egg that fell into the Euphrates River. This was to have happened at the time of the first full moon after the spring equinox. Therefore, Samaramis became known as Ishtar, which is pronounced Easter, and her moon egg became known as Ishtar's egg. When Ishtar became pregnant with Tammuz, it is noted that Tammuz was especially fond of rabbits, which became sacred in the ancient religion. One day, when Tammuz was killed, Queen Ishtar told the people that Tammuz was now ascended to his father Baal and that the two of them would be with the worshippers in the sacred candle or lamp flame as father, son, and spirit. At this point, Ishtar was worshipped as a mother of God and queen of heaven and continued to build her mysterious religion. Every year, on the first Sunday after the first full moon, After the spring equinox, a celebration was made. It was Ishtar Sunday and was celebrated with rabbits and eggs. We now see how the Easter rabbit and eggs have no relevance with Easter, the day in which we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, also known as the Resurrection Day. Nowhere in the Bible does it have evidence to support that the resurrection has any relationship with eggs and rabbits. Yet, why does the Christian religion still celebrate this day with such things? As the pagan customs were introduced to Roman Catholicism, the two have since then been strangely intertwined to be celebrated together. In reality, the Roman Catholics do not eat eggs or fish during the 40 days before Easter. They began to eat it again on the day of Easter, therefore color and decorate the eggs in honor of celebrating the day in which they began to eat it again. However, Christians began to incorporate this idea and therefore, every Sunday, celebrate this day with colorfully dyed eggs, whether it is within the Catholic Church or Christian Church. All the Christian religions celebrate this day in honor of Jesus Christ's resurrection. However, the patterns and ways of celebrating this day have slowly evolved into the pagan religious ways. I hear the Savior say 
Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness. Watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. As Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as
Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Francis Chan of Cornerstone Church. Today's topic is the resurrection. So what? Part one, based on the scriptures of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Luke chapter 8. I hope you all have a blessed time with Pastor Francis. You know, we were singing that old hymn, How Great Thou Art, that doesn't sound like an old hymn when we play it, but, uh, you, you know, I, I was, that was the first time I really thought about those words. I mean, I've been singing that since I was a kid, um, thinking about the words, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Like, I was thinking from the core of my being, from the very center of me, I just want to scream out, God, you are so great. You know, I mean, is is that in you this morning where you're just, everything in your being just wants to scream out, God, you're so great, how great you are, how amazing you are. I mean, when you walk into this room this morning, are you crazy, absolutely crazy about God? Not, not, do you like God? Do you believe in God? Do you love God? Are you just crazy consumed with Him where from the very core of your being you just want to scream out, God, how great you are, how great thou art, how amazing you are, what a wonderful Savior. Because that's the God I worship. Um, to me, He's everything. He's absolutely everything. And there's no way in half an hour I can explain to you how crazy I am about God. And if I could have anything, If you said, Francis, you can have anything on this earth, I would say, you know what, I want people to be madly in love with Jesus Christ. That's what I'd want. I mean, if I could have anything, that's what I'd want. And and so Easter, in a sense, is a stressful time for me. And a lot of the stress, I put it on myself because in the years past, I've thought, okay, man, this is the week where the crowds come. This is the week where a lot of people come that don't normally come to church. This is your one Sunday a year. And I and every year I think, well, maybe if I give a good enough sermon, maybe if I give a good enough message, then you won't be once a year Christians that kind of believe in God and kind of do the church thing. But maybe you'll actually fall in love with him. Maybe you'll just be crazy, consumed, obsessed with him. If I just say the right things, maybe I'll talk you into it this year. And so every Easter, it's like, okay, come on, come on. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? And yet the thing is, is this year, I was studying what Jesus did when there were crowds. I was just reading through the gospel. It's a fascinating study. If you just read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just look at what, what does Jesus do when crowds and visitors and everyone shows up? What does he say? And I'm reading through these passages and I'm going, he's crazy. He's doing the exact opposite of what I do. When the crowds came, Jesus didn't make things simpler and easy to understand. He made things confusing, more confusing. I was reading in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4, it says, While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. Okay, so now people were traveling to come and hear Jesus, and large crowds were assembled. People that probably had never heard Jesus before, they just heard this reputation. This guy's doing miracles, this guy. I mean, all these people are following. Let's go listen. And they all show up. It's Easter. Okay, everyone comes out and and while everyone shows up, Jesus comes out and he gives this message. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock 
And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And that was it. He walked away. I mean, you get that? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, imagine this. Imagine if I say, hey, guys, it's Easter. Jesus came. He's going to preach for me. And then you're going, no way. This is going to be awesome. Let's give a hand for Jesus. And he walks out. Hey, everybody. And, and he just, and all he says is, there was this farmer. And he was throwing seed everywhere, you know. And uh, some landed on the sidewalk. And, you know, and birds came and ate it. Some landed on, you know, rocky soil. And it sprung up. And then the sun came out and killed it. You know, other stuff grew up in the weeds and the thorns. And, uh, and, and got choked out by the weeds and the thorns. And then some landed on good soil. And it produced this crop. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, I'll see you later. And then he just walks off. And that was, that was his whole message. That was his whole message. And he just walks away and goes, hey, if you get it, you'll get it. If you don't, you don't. And he just walks off the stage. I'm going, that's nuts. That's what you're going to say when the crowds are there? Why? Why did Jesus do that? Well, it says in the very next verse, in verse 9, well, we'll put it up on the screen. His disciples asked him, what did that mean? And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. Wait, why did he speak in parables? So that what? So the people that saw him really didn't see him. And the people that were listening wouldn't get it. Wait a second. So, I mean, because sometimes we think, well, Jesus spoke in parables because they're good stories and they made people understand it better. And he's going, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. When I speak in parables, I'm doing it so that even though they hear me, they won't really get it. Wait, so Jesus, you spoke in a way so that the crowds would not understand? You didn't want them to understand you? You wanted them to walk away confused? Why? Why in the world would he do that? So that, see the disciples, so that the ones who really wanted it, they'd come after him. Like the disciples, they're going, okay, I, I really want to know what you're teaching here, so explain that whole dirt thing to me. They wanted it. And Jesus, those are the people I want to talk to. The people who really want it. The rest of the crowds, they can go home. I'm just going to give them a little story about dirt and they won't get it. And they don't really care to know, so they'll just walk away. But the ones who really want to know, they'll come after me and they'll search out the truth. See, Jesus only wanted to speak to those who really wanted to hear from him. It's a really interesting thought. And, and he explains it in that very parable because when he explains it to the disciples, he says, okay, the seed is like the word of God. He goes, he goes, here's what it means. He goes, some people, I'll toss the seed out to them, and they're like the sidewalk. They're like a path where some of you, the moment I mention Jesus, you're like, you know what? I, I don't need this. I don't need the God thing, all right? I'm just here for Easter or whatever. Just, just leave me alone. You're, you're like a brick wall. And, and he goes, so why would I go and water the sidewalk? I'm not going to waste my time with that. He goes, others are like the rocky soil where there's no root. You know, it's going to spring up. But the moment the sun comes, he goes, he goes, those are the people who will hear the word of God and go, yeah, I want Jesus. He goes, but the moment the difficult times come, they're going to deny me and go, you know what? How can there be a God if I'm going through so much pain? He goes, so forget about them. He goes, in the same way, some of the seed's going to go in the thorny soil. He goes, that what that represents are the people who want God, 
But they also want this other stuff, these weeds, these material things, these other relationships. And they're putting me on, on, on par, equal with all their other stuff. You know, and so even though, you know, they may want God, they want all this other stuff too, and they want to throw me into the mix. You know what? And that's never going to grow. So why would I water the weeds? He goes, but then there's good soil. See, and there's people who, man, they've cleared everything out of their life. And they go, man, I just want God. And those are the people, man, I throw the seed there. I fertilize it. I water it. And guess what? There's going to be like a hundred times what I planted. That's who a farmer is concerned with. A farmer is not going to water the weeds. He's not going to water the rocks. He's not going to water the sidewalk. He's just going to water the good soil. He goes, the rest is a waste of time. That's what Jesus was saying to the crowd. He's saying, look, I'm not going to waste my time with all of you. Some of you don't want it. So I'm just going to pull out a crazy story and the good seed, they're going to come after me. I don't have to worry about that. And that's what the disciples did. It's pretty crazy, though, because I, I don't normally do that. Now she realized, that's wrong with me. I, I got to teach the way Jesus taught. Teach for those who really want it. And the rest, don't waste your time. I mean, you wouldn't waste your time watering the ones that don't matter, the ones that are going to die anyways. My prayer is for those of you guys who are hardened toward God and you just look at this and you put a hand up or those who think your other things are so wonderful and you want to throw God with it, that God would change the soil of your heart. And at some point you go, you know what? God's greater than all that other stuff. And I want it. I want it. I want it. Not just kind of casually I'll show up and, you know, if I I like it, I'll, I'll come again maybe. How badly do you want truth? Think about this. Do you hunger for what is true, absolutely true? Because I I was thinking about this week and I thought, you know, a lot of times, honestly, I don't want truth. I just don't. For example, I like salami. Salami. I grew up eating salami. I I come from an Italian family. And uh, you guys thought I was German. But uh, I... uh, so I grew up, and I, I just, I don't know why, we always had salami in my house from Mama. And uh, we, you know, just, I, I love this kind, too, when it's just a big old bar, and you just cut off a chunk and peel that paper off and just, oh, gnaw on it. And, uh, and so I, I eat it today, I feed it to my kids, my babies, everything, salami. And I was thinking about this this week. I have no clue what this is made of. And I don't want to know. I so do not want to know. I've never read the ingredients. I have no idea even what animal it comes from, if it's an animal, you know. And and I remember, because remember that guy, uh, Johnny Carls, who used to work here? And uh, he grew up like on a slaughter farm, you know, in in slaughterhouse and did all that stuff. He goes, hey, I know how they make salami. And I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Because I just want to live in my own little world and believe that this is good for me. Um... I'm just going to believe the little white specks are vitamins and, and you know, so that I can just enjoy this. I just want to enjoy it, okay? So leave me alone. Don't tell me the truth about salami, okay? I don't want to know it. I don't want to know it. Don't ruin it. And, and see, I believe, I, I believe that a lot of people are that way about God. They're just like, you know what, I just want to believe that God just is all loving and he just, he would never hurt anyone. Just, just let me believe that, okay? I'm happy with it. Don't give me truth. I don't want the truth. I have a question for you, and this is for everyone. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're an atheist. 
I don't care how long you've been going to church. I don't care what walk of life you came from. I just want to ask everyone a question right now, and I want you to all think about it. Don't just nod your head and, and immediately respond. I want you to think about it. And the question is this. Would you want to know the truth about God, even if it's completely different from what you currently believe? Do you really want to know truth? I just want to know the truth about God. Even if it goes against everything I was raised with. Even if I grew up in a Christian church and the truth were different from what I believe, I just want to know the truth about God. Or you want to just keep believing whatever you believe because you like it right now. I mean, what if it's not true? What if it's not true what, what is said at every funeral that ever happens? Oh, she, she's in a better place. What if that's not true? Do you want to know that? Or you want to just stay in your own little world? You're happy. I mean, how badly do you want truth? Because there's people who say, why? Well, I'd refuse to believe that God would ever send anyone to a place called hell. I refuse to believe in it. You refuse? But what if it's true? I still refuse to believe in it. You know why? Because most people's belief systems are based upon desire and not truth. Let me say that again. Most people's belief systems are based upon what they desire, not based upon what is true. In other words, we believe what we want to believe. Every once in a while, there'll be a person who pursues truth absolute truth and you can tell those people because they end up believing some things that they don't want to believe one of my favorite lines from a movie of all time jack nicholson you guys already know what i'm where i'm going few good men you want the truth you can't handle the truth wasn't that a great line when his face you can still see his face you can't handle it you know, it was just, oh, yeah, you just got so pumped. You can't handle the truth. What a great statement, though. You really want the truth about God? Do you really? You really want it? Because Jesus said, John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth. Okay, not as good as the other one, but that, 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 that's all right, you know. Jack, Jesus, you know. You see, Jesus, Jesus said, now you'll know the truth and the truth will actually set you free. Even though sometimes you don't, you, you kind of want the truth and you kind of don't, right? But Jesus says, when you get it, when you accept it, that's what's going to set you free. I mean, let's just face it. Most people lie to you all day long, right? And they tell you what you want to hear. But isn't it refreshing every once in a while? When someone tells you truth, even though it hurts, even though you don't like it, it's like, you know what, I appreciate that person being honest with me. You shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free.
every sunrise There in the shadows of this life Your great grace It's there on the mountain top There in the everyday and the mundane There in the sorrow
You're now with Unity in Christ, powered by Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. We want to hear from you. If you have any comments or testimony that you want to share with us, please email it to askhsgm at gmail.com. Now you can find all the programs of Heart and Soul on podcasts. You can easily play this week's or past week's program, or even download them on your device in just a few minutes. Search for Heart and Soul at your iTunes stores now. There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is a story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled The Voice of the Martyrs. Hello, listeners. This is Rhonda Walker with The Voice of the Martyrs. What would you feel if you were being beaten up by someone? Would you be angry and enraged, or perhaps scared to death? But what if you were glad to be beaten up? Would that be possible? Jesus tells us, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. Since Jesus commanded us in this way, we can be joyful when we are being beaten up, ridiculed, or persecuted by someone else for the name of Christ, and we can be glad about it as well. Why? Because our reward in heaven is great. In fact, There is evidence in the Bible that the apostles were joyous to be receiving all sorts of persecution, ridicule, and oppression from the name of Christ. According to Acts 5, Peter and the other apostles who were brought before the Sanhedrin were imprisoned, beaten up, and charged not to speak in the name of Jesus. We can get a glimpse of how the apostles' hearts were at that time. In Acts 5, verse 41, it reads, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And that name was Jesus. To be mocked and persecuted for the name of Jesus is a joyous thing, and the world cannot handle those who receive such humiliation with joy. Today, we will share the story of Apostle John's disciple, Ignatius, who faithfully lived for the name of Christ. The Roman Emperor Domitian, calling himself a god, commanded people to serve him as a deity. As a result, people were forced to worship the emperor and to love and respect the Roman traditions and religion. So to Domitian, Christians who confessed that their God was the one true God, even while being oppressed, were thorns in his flesh. Eventually, Emperor Domitian started arresting Christians and executing them. And Trajan, who became the emperor after Domitian, followed suit with Domitian's policy to force worship of the emperor and persecuted Christians. During that time when the Church of Antioch was under persecution, Ignatius, who was the bishop of Antioch, was arrested and taken to Rome. While being taken to Rome, 
Ignatius wrote several letters containing warnings against false doctrines and false teachings, as well as necessary lessons for the church to different churches. But unlike these letters, Ignatius also sent a particular letter to the Christians at Smyrna who had been working for his freedom. Suffer me to be the food of wild beasts, whereby I may attain unto God. I am the wheat of God, and am to be ground by the teeth of wild beasts, in order that I may be found the pure bread of Christ. I earnestly wished for the wild beasts that are prepared for me, whom I heartily desire may soon dispatch me. I will entice them to devour me entirely and suddenly, that they may not spare me as they have others whom they fear to touch. But if they are unwilling to meddle with me, I will even compel them to it. Pardon me, my children. I know what is good for me. I now commence to be a disciple of Christ, since I have no desire for anything visible or invisible, so that I may attain to Jesus Christ. Let fire or the cross, or the concourse of wild beasts, let cutting or tearing of the flesh, let breaking of bones and cutting off limbs, let the shattering in pieces of my entire body and all the torments invented by the devil come upon me, so I may but attain unto Jesus Christ. Ignatius was martyred, torn by lions as he desired, with joyfulness. Ignatius believed that martyrdom was pleasing to God, a way to prove oneself as being a Christian, and the only way to imitate Jesus' suffering. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Romans 8 verse 17 The world is not worthy of the one who rejoices to be persecuted for Christ's name. See you next time. This was The Voice of the Martyrs.
the Resurrection Day celebrated during the times of Jesus? Based on the words of the biblical theologians, the celebration of the Resurrection reflected in the Bible was celebrated by eating bread. After Jesus Christ sacrificed His life, died on the cross, and resurrected after three days, the disciples were not able to recognize Jesus as He appeared before them. At this time, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples, 
and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Here are the scriptures of Luke chapter 24, verse 30 through 31. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And from here on, after recognizing the resurrected Jesus, the disciples celebrated this day as they broke bread. Easter is not a day in which we celebrate it with a rabbit and share colorful eggs. It is a day in which we remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and resurrected and came back alive so that we may be free from death. It is a day in which we celebrate this great event and show thankfulness. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. These are the scriptures of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16-18. through 18. The crucial point of Easter is Jesus' resurrection on the cross. It did not end by His death on the cross, but the fact that He rose again and gave us hope. If there was no resurrection, our faith would be worthless and we would still be in our sins. I hope that we may really think about what the true meaning of Easter is. That this Easter we may realize that the celebration is on Jesus Christ and not on eggs or the Easter bunny, and that we may confess our love and gratitude towards Him. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time again next week, and God bless. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving cease My comforter, my all in all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone
Oh. 